Hello, welcome back. Oh my gosh, I hope your daylight savings time is going swell. Um, apparently we don't need that anymore. That's what people say, you know. They're like, it was for farmers when they when they needed, you know, the extra time in the day. And now we don't need it. But don't farmers still, farmers are still around. Don't they still want that extra time to be farming? I don't know, maybe farming hours are different now with the equipment we have and stuff. Maybe the farming days can be shorter who knows? I don't know. But, like, if they still need that time, like, shouldn't we not cancel daylight savings time? I don't know. Maybe there's just not enough farmers to the amount of people that get thrown off by it. Who knows? I don't know how that works. Anyways, um, I'm talking about housing in the U.S. today. The housing market. Um, specifically how uh, investment companies and... Um, individual investors and renters all play into um how it works um some of the issues that are arising from rising uh rent prices rising housing prices um and to be honest with you like i don't think i bring a lot of uh at least i didn't find a lot of solution i i'm like genuinely confused still the best way forward i think in some instances like hey when it's venezuela i think there's a clear you know right and wrong in the situation this one i'm i'm kind of thrown anyways apparently there's a shortage of 3.8 housing units nationwide i forgot to mention i'm just hanging out here in um god okay i guess i don't really need to do an introduction today i've just blown past it there's a there's a shortage of 3.8 housing units nationwide um with our population uh, expected to go grow to 458 million by 2050 that comes from the u.s census bureau um that means we'll probably be needing even more houses to addition in addition to that 3.8 million 3.8 million housing units is just a number i read i don't know how true that is that's but there is a lot of need for housing that much is true i can't tell you if 3.8 is the exact number i don't know if anyone really can you know but the point is, there's a lot of need for housing, whether it's permanent or rental, in the United States. Um, I'd heard a lot about uh, vacant housing from friends and news articles uh, in the past. And I kind of understood it as um, there were just millions of vacant houses ready to be sold or rented. You know, they're, they're ready to go. Just They're just sitting there. Um, however, this is not always the case, right? That's what I learned. In some cases, the houses are either run down um, or they're not in areas that, that need the housing. They're in just, hey, Atlanta needs housing, but there's a bunch of housing available in New Jersey. It's just it, the people that need it in a certain city don't always have the housing available, right? Uh, there's also other things where people will own multiple properties, right? Um, some of the houses are just kind of in the process of being rented or sold, Um I don't know, in, in a Census Bureau table, I'm going to go over it with you later. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons for houses being vacant is, quote, uh, it's being used to store furniture. I don't know what that means. I get probably what it, it says it means. Um, but there, there are certain reasons that certain houses are not being, not just available. They're not just sitting there free, free for the picking, right? That's how, that's how I saw it. Um, in Los Angeles, there's an organization called Housing is a Human Right. Um, they've bought about 1,400 housing units over the past three years, like housing units that were kind of run down. 
Um, at according to a policy director who works for Housing as a Human Right, at an average cost about a thousand hundred thousand dollars per unit. So between the price it cost to buy the house and renovate it was a hundred thousand dollars. Now, in comparison, the city of Los Angeles's housing projects that they've been working on to help homelessness, to help struggling families, um, have cost an average of six hundred thousand dollars each. That number came in 2021. So they're they're buying they're making completely new houses instead of just renovating the ones that are uh, kind of run down. The policy director uh, at Housing as a Human Right, whose name is um, Shannon, that's her last name, I believe. Susie Shannon uh, quoted saying that. Um, 70,000 vacant units are in the city, which is enough to house the 42,000 homeless people counted in the city, um, or even the 69,000 uh, in all of the county. So she's saying that there's 70,000 vacant units that can be renovated and be and given to people who need housing. Now, whether whether that falls into this weird area of, oh, like it's actually someone else's temporary home, or it's it's in the middle of a family dispute, so it's vacant, or it's using it's you know being used to store furniture. I don't know where she's getting that figure of seventy thousand vacant units. I think I said seven thousand earlier, seventy thousand. Um, but what it seems like is that it's cheaper to renovate these old units. They did it for a hundred thousand dollars each, while the city of Los Angeles is making new ones for six hundred thousand dollars each. They're spending six times the amount that could be spent on a house. They could have six times the amount of houses if they were just renovating houses, right? And maybe the maybe there's a reason that they're just buy, uh, starting them from scratch, right? But I mean, there there are vacant houses that are in need of renovation. Um, that's that seems like the bottom line. Whether or not it's it's seventy thousand. Or, or less, um, that is a possibility, and that's not something that Los Angeles is, uh, is pursuing for whatever reason. All of what I just read to you um, came from an article by Pew, which I believe does a bunch of research. That's my understanding. I don't, it didn't come from Pew Research Center directly, but it came from a, some, something, some offshoot of Pew, right? Uh, the article is titled, The Nation's Vacant Homes Present an Opportunity and a Problem. Now, this article linked me to a table um, from the U.S. Census Bureau um, that basically says that in 2021, there are approximately 5.5 million vacant houses in the United States, right? I got linked to it from the Pew article. But like I said at the beginning, I read 3.8 houses were vacant in the United States. And the U.S. Census Bureau is saying over 5 million. Now, I wanted to also include the link to the census table. Um, so I tried Google searching um, to, so I could share the keywords that I used so you could look this up yourself. I looked up the title of the table. Um which is Other Vacancy Status Census Bureau. What I found quite frustrated me, to be honest with you. 
Um, not only could I find the table that I had been linked to from the article I was reading, but the information that I was linked to was even more confusing. All right, this is just stuff that came up. It was information from the U.S. Census Bureau, um, and it, it was just different statistics, a different table, different set of tables, right? And I'm, like, looking at these right now, and it's I, I don't know how to decipher what they've laid out for me, right? It's like there's no there's, – there, there's basically just a list of, of different statistics. This one here is – what is this one? Jeez. Uh, rent, rental vacancy states, uh, rent, rent, rental vacancy rates by state. Um, it, there's some, some 2.0, 1.9, 1.6. These are the numbers I'm reading. I'm not seeing, uh, uh, what those numbers mean or like, that's like per thousand or what. Okay, this table is, is awfully hard to understand, right? And I feel like it's more information that would help me along my way in understanding housing and vacancy in the United States, but it's just, it's just figure it out. And maybe, maybe somewhere on this website, this extensive website is, is a, a, a key to decipher, you know, how to read this table. But just upon first look, I just want to look up, Hey, how many things are vacant? How many are, are, are rental houses th that, you know, are just for, for vacationers? Like it feels like you've collected the information, but the way that you give it to me is so gosh darn confusing. So gosh darn confusing. I, I I I don't know. I mean I mean all the tables here on on this on this report from the last year are just so confused. I, I I don't know how to how to make sense of it. And that's that's an issue for me because I'm trying again again I'm I'm repeating myself here. I'm trying to understand how this works and it's not being laid out clearly or easily for me. I guess this is this is now a problem I have with with the U.S. Census Bureau. Um, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of that, that whole thing, but I mean, even the, even the original, I mean, other vacancy status, that original link that I got is, is confusing. I mean, it, it, it lists, okay, so there's personal or family reasons, uh, about 1.2 million houses are vacant. That's what it's saying here. Extended absence. I don't know what that means. What's an extended absence? Does that mean that it's someone's home that's being rented or is that like they're just not there all the time. Specific use housing. It's a specific use housing. There's 72,000 vacant specific use housing, apparently. What's specific use housing? I don't know. <laughs> I, I tried to look it up, too. I, I, I couldn't find an answer on that. It's specific use housing. Obviously. I don't know. There's another category, too. What is other? Who gets grouped into other? There's 800,000 vacant... Units in the United States under other. I don't know. I don't know. It, this should be easier to understand. I shouldn't have to... Whatever. Back to the Pew article we were just talking about, right? Um, the one that's titled, The Nation's Vacant Homes Present an Opportunity and a Problem. Um, again, this is the link where you can find the link to this Census Bureau table that I was just referencing. Um, they quote saying, Metro areas with the most vacant housing are uh, expensive waterfront resorts, Key West, Florida, Barnstable, Barnstable, Massachusetts, on Cape Cod, um, and on uh, Ocean City, New Jersey, suggesting that vacant housing is being used for vacationers, unquote. I don't know where they got these numbers. I don't, 
again, like I looked at the table they they had mentioned just before. Those aren't like like specific counties or cities that you can look at. Like you can like choose, oh, Los Angeles County, cool. Let's see how many vacant houses are in Los Angeles County. There's there's no option for Ocean City, New Jersey or Key West, Florida. I and there's no citation either. I don't know where where he got the, I want to see that. I want to look at it. I want to see I don't know. Now we, we we got an issue with the the Census Bureau, we got an issue with Pew. It's just turning into a an episode about the lack of information and how 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 tough it is to understand something when I want to know. And this is like a serious thing too, right? Like people want to know, people want to know how to vote and people want to know how to how to feel about a certain issue and you can't do that effectively if you don't understand something. That's what I'm frustrated about here now. I don't know. And again, like if if this writer did get this information from the Census Bureau table, how come the cities aren't listed as something I can look at? Like, are those cities included in that 5 million vacant number or did they not include it? Is it just a certain amount that's included? It's just genuinely confusing. Because it seems like the survey is saying, this table is saying that there's 5 million across the entire U.S. They counted everybody. But if some of these places aren't included, right, like, then there's, it's a different number. I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. Back to some rock hard facts. All right. No more wondering. Okay. Um, It's another Pew study. I can't stay away, I guess even though they're not citing this this information that I would love to know and, and confuse me about the, the graph that they had sent me to prior. I'm back with Pew. Um, this article is titled, Investors Bought a Quarter of Homes Sold Last Year, Driving Up Rents. Apparently, uh, investors bought 24% of all single-family uh, households sold nationwide. I believe that's in 2021. They cite it this time. It's from a state line analysis of data provided by CoreLogic. 24%. Investors bought a quarter of houses in the United States in a single year. Investors apparently bought a third of these houses, sorry, a third of houses in Georgia, Arizona, California, Nevada, and Texas uh, through 21 to 22. They bought a third of the houses, just investors that own multiple houses, just stacking them up. They bought a third of the houses, a third of the houses that were bought in 2021, just to clarify, not, not a third of the houses throughout the entire United States, third of the houses that were bought in these states. Anyways, I think that number is crazy high. I'm not sure if they should have all those houses. Because they are a company and they're, they're looking to make money over potentially the happiness of their tenants or the people that are looking to buy, right? Investors, they started to buy homes in about 2008 uh, after the hu- uh, housing crisis, buying more and more every year. Um, I wanted to include this part from my notes. Uh, they're, uh, uh, this was, so this was after 2008, right? Uh, quote, jumping on the low housing prices like a pack of hyenas. Those were from my, that's my, that's my notes. I'm not quoting that from anybody else. I read that apparently investors are drawn to the Sunbelt to invest. Um, Sunbelt states are the bottom 
third of the United States. Because allegedly, from what I've read, there are less protections in place for tenants in those states. Which is kind of a reason to to be a little um, wary, for me at least, of a big company buying a bunch of houses. Right? If they're they're sticking to, to states that have less protections for tenants, they're looking for profit over uh, ooh, helping out other people or, you know, helping the housing market run smoothly. Apparently, some types of laws that can be uh, implemented to help tenants and uh, deter greedy landlords um, are uh, implementing boilerplate lease language, which basically means uh, using less vague language in leases and just having like certain uh, specific things that have to be put in a lease that guarantee the the tenant certain rights. Um, also, landlord registries where they have to kind of sign up and let the state know what they're doing and how they're conducting business. So if a problem comes up and they're like, hey, you've been screwing these people over. I don't know. I don't know exactly what a landlord registry is, but they basically have to register with the state so they can have information on transactions and property um, development, things that they've done. So those are a couple options. Here's a third big one, rent control. In 2022, uh, the Las, uh, North Las Vegas community got a bunch of signatures and basically uh, put a, got, got a measure to go on the ballot um, that proposed that rent hikes could not exceed 5% year by year. So people were going to vote on this in North Las Vegas. The landlords couldn't raise the rent height, the, the rents over 5% per year. Um, this is a big issue in North, uh, North Las Vegas. The Nevada Independent reported that rent has increased 30% in North Las Vegas since 2020. So they were frustrated. They wanted to cap the amount they were getting charged. However, the city clerk's office struck down the ballot initiative, basically went to the North Las Vegas Council, um, who voted four to one to keep the measure off the ballot. So the North Las Vegas City Council, in conjunction with the city clerk's office, uh, said, no, no, you cannot put this on the ballot. Rent hikes, go for it. And I don't know why, I don't know why they did that. I mean, I'm going to go through a few of the reasons that that people disagree with uh, rent control and rent hikes. Um, but it, it does feel... They were, they were kind of sidelined, all these renters that were kind of getting screwed over by landlords. Um, why is rent control bad? <clears throat> it sounds great, right? I mean, for me, I... My rent went up 16% this year. I calculated that, did some long division. Um, I didn't like 16%. It was like another, I don't know, 100, 120? I don't know. Anyways, developers are basically less incentivized to construct a building where they can't slowly squeeze the finances gradually out of renters year by year. Kind of like a, a vampire slowly sucking out the blood that courses through your veins. That's an argument, right? Where people are going to be less, you know, less willing to invest in something because they can't make as much of a profit, right? Argument number one for why rent control is bad. Um, number two is it, it increases competition for units. Um, uh, number two reason it increases the competition for units. 
It's more competition. Everybody wants the cheap one. Number three, it puts a cap on how much landlords can make. Um, back to some of the uh, investors. Some CoreLogic data says that, quote, mega investors, which they define as investors who own over a thousand or more homes, only bought 3% of the houses last year in 2022 and about 1% the previous year. A lot of it comes from smaller um, investors, right? Or investment companies that have less than a thousand homes. Um, not to say that these mega investors aren't gigantic. Um, Invitation Homes, who split in 2017 from Blackstone, the largest private equity firm in the world, owns 12,500 houses in Atlanta, which is just one of the 16 cities that they operate in. They own 12,000 homes in one city. And what some investment companies will do is kind of plan ahead and buy houses in regions that are expected to see growth before people get there, right? So people move to Austin, Texas, because there's a, a new blooming industry coming up for microchips. And an uh, invitation home says, hello, welcome. Would you like to buy a house? Buy it at our price. You got no one else to go to. All the microchip guys that are moving here to get jobs, they already bought houses. Ours are the only ones left. You buy it at our price, right? They stiff you a little bit. That's kind of the idea. It's one of the ways that um, the, these investment investors or investment companies um, can kind of raise prices for housing. In fact, I just read a story um, from my own town about some people that were getting kicked out because this company was coming in and said, hey, we're renovating these homes. And we're going to sell them at a higher price, right? So a bunch of people got kicked out of their houses because this investment company wanted to kind of flip the property and make some more money, which I get is that's the idea of capitalism. But still, like so many people just got screwed over in my town and have to find housing and might have to move out of town, et cetera, right? There were 61,000, just to close out here a little bit, there were 61,500 vacant houses in San Francisco in 2022. This number is misleading because, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, uh, some are on the market, some are being repaired, some of the owners have their own reason, or some of the people that own that house have multiple properties and do not live there all the time. I think this episode was jumbled, but the message, I think, is there's vacant houses out there, and some of them can go to people who need them. And also are people making too much money off of houses? Some people. Anyways, have a good rest of your day. Take it easy.